Hello, and welcome back to Character Speaks, a podcast in partnership with ProSign Design to spotlight passionate character educators who are walking the talk. I'm your host, Barbara Gruner, and today we are visiting with John Norland about Character Strong. He is the co-founder of Character Strong. He is a dad, a motivational speaker. He's got several decades in the classroom and with kids in leadership and beyond. Welcome, John, to today's episode. Hey, I am excited to be here. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Love listening to your podcast and um, was honored to get the, the call to join you today. Thank you. I am especially inspired by your work so much so that I've joined you guys a little bit, <laughs> but we'll get to that in a moment. First, tell the Great. listeners a little bit about who you are and what brought you to today. Yeah. Well, first, I appreciate you sharing some of the most important roles I play, which is uh, husband to Lindsay, dad to Brent. Um, what a wonderful time it is right now of year. And we just took our four-year-old to Disneyland for the first time. I hadn't been to Disneyland in 30 years. And uh, to see that place again and to see it through his eyes was was such a joy. So those are my most important roles. Um, but in terms of the professional world, uh, I have uh, been working with uh, Washington State Student Leadership for 20 years uh, through their student leadership uh, program. I came through it myself. Uh, my life was changed. It made me want to be a teacher by being a part of uh, that program. Um, eventually became a senior counselor and now director of one of their six high school state leadership camps and, and continue to do that to today. Was a high school teacher for a decade um, and I taught a full load of servant leadership and character development classes uh, for 10 years at the high school level. So five classes a day, 60 minutes each day or each period. Um, and so that became my life. It's what I wanted to go into teaching to do. The only history class I ever taught, which is what my major was, was in student teaching. Um, but I knew that I wanted to find a student leadership and or character development type position. I knew it was something that was uh, a thing in Washington. I figured I'd teach for a while before I found that position, but I walked right into my dream job. I only taught one history class ever, and it was in that student teaching. So did that for 10 years, and then the work was um, having such a great impact, uh, not only in our school, but our, our state and beyond, that uh, my district uh, worked with me, and we created a a position at the district level, program administrator for the whole child. So not only uh, developing student leadership K through 12, but really bringing in the systems piece, uh, the multi-tiered system of support for behavior. What are we doing for school climate and culture? What are we doing to equip our staff with relationship skills and um, both the proactive and the reactive and, and all of that. And so that really led us to um, uh, working regularly with a gentleman named Dr. Clayton Cook from the University of Minnesota. He saw what we were doing outside of the work I was doing in the district with speaking and a curriculum that had been created many years for like a leadership class. And he said, you guys have something here that schools need specifically at the secondary level um, when it comes to character development, social emotional learning. And that really led us to uh, an over two-year process of taking what we already had and building that out to something that today is now character strong and and uh, coming together with Houston Craft, a great friend of uh, mine and a powerful uh, presenter, speaker, thought leader uh, in this space that I know you've had on before. And and we are um, we are in the most purposeful work I could ever imagine right now, helping schools, uh, teachers, students um, with this work that we're talking about today. So that's the quick version. 
Nice. Thank you so much. You bring a wealth of expertise and experience. I wonder if in that dreamy two decades, you have a favorite memory. Gosh, out of all of those? (laughs) Yeah, really? Well, I'll go to the beginning. And it's my favorite because it actually is the story I tell in my keynote. If I do a keynote, which I, I, I still do student presentations, I need enough of those to stay, you know, feel connected because the greatest job I ever had was day-to-day with students in the classroom. Uh, but most of my work right now is with adults and staff and districts. Um, but my favorite memory out of all of them was the beginning, the one that made me want to be a teacher. And that was being influenced by uh, a teacher at the high school level that made me want to be a teacher that led me with his influence to choosing to stand at the front door of my high school every single day for 180 straight school days. And uh, my entire life changed from that very simple act, but not easy act. Uh, showing up early each day and connecting with the students and serving them in that way, wanting them to to know that I cared and wanting them to know that um, this is a place for all of us and that building of community. And so that that story, that um, experience and the stories that came from it and the connections will always, I think, be my my favorite one out of all of them because it was the the starting point. So you talked a little bit about the camp model. I know that you still go into the woods for a week every August, and I know that that's how you and Houston, you know, kind of connected. So can you talk a little bit about how that model has really inspired your your work, your journey, your passion? Yeah. Uh, I mean, one, I, I feel really blessed to be in a state that has such a robust student leadership program. It's uh, 100% connected to our Principals Association. Um, and uh, Susan and Marty Fortin, Susan Fortin actually is going to be retiring this year after, gosh, I don't know, 30 plus years uh, doing the work. But we have just this wonderful, um, uh, robust system where every summer there's a camp location down below Mount Rainier, the big volcano here in Washington, uh, that is completely cut off from society and cell phones and Wi-Fi, which that by itself is incredible. It sounds um, dreamy. Yes. <laughs> and they've got like things that happen during the year, like a state uh, conference for high school and middle level. And they've got bilingual leadership camp and deaf teen leadership camp and cheer leadership camps. I mean, it, it, they definitely have a focus that is sponsored and supported by our principals association. Um but that work each year, what's great is we have goals and objectives that we all work from, but every camp gets to create its own curriculum connected to those goals and objectives. Nice. And uh, Mount Adams, the leadership camp, uh, most of the high schools are named after different mountains. Uh, and uh, the Mount Adams leadership camp, we really took an approach way early on of like the servant's heart was our kind of theme. But back in the day, 20 years ago, we would still teach the skills of leadership, you know, active listening, communication, assertiveness versus, you know, passive aggressive or passive behaviors or aggressive, like all that. And then we would teach the servant's heart by like reading the chicken soup for the soul story at night as a part of a tuck in. And we would say, like, don't forget, have a servant's heart. And Mm -hmm. I can't remember exactly the first year, but there's a lady on our staff because our staff is filled with educators. It's professionals, people that are in uh, the business world, healthcare. You know, you, you name it. Um, and in many cases, people that were impacted themselves by coming to camp. And there's a lady named Dr. Jen McCauley, who is a um, has a doctorate in like leadership from University of Washington and a counseling uh, background within that as well. And she basically is a consultant for business. And she's always reading books and keeping up with her clients. And one year she read The Servant by James C. Hunter. 
and it's a servant leadership book that was written for, you know, originally for business. And um, she's like, we need to read this book. And what was beautiful about it is it took everything that we talked about and put it into a very simple model. And we called the servant leadership triangle. And that changed everything. We reached out to James Hunter way back when he first wrote it. And he's like, absolutely, please do use that. And, and it, it, the current format, because we use James Hunter's model in our student leadership class curriculum, our elective class, that is a full out 90, you know, less than 60 minutes each. You can't do that at camp. But at right. camp, we were using the model, right? And we would do the ropes course and experiential learning, but everything was connected off of that model. And that just, I think not just for me, but our entire camp staff that were going through that and the students, I mean, it just grew not only for our camp, but across our state, the idea of servant leadership just continued to grow and more and more schools. And so that led to me um, doing my own work because in leadership and the class I was teaching, there's no curriculum that people give you. It's like, good luck, create something. <laughs> and so I started going to work and created um, you know, full scope and sequence and working with a professional development specialist and the initial groundwork for what is now many years later, um, a much more robust and different, but like servant leadership curriculum was one that I taught for 10 years. And what happened is more and more people were hearing what was happening, what we were doing, the impact it was having. So they kept coming and they'd be like, can I meet with you? So they would drive down and I'd meet for three hours. And which was awesome and lovely. But at some point, I couldn't keep meeting for three hours with everybody that was coming down. And so that led to the first training. Uh, and I just did it on my own. And the whole idea of doing that first training was just so I wouldn't have to do individual three-hour meetings because there was enough people that were interested in the work. And that grew to multiple years of doing those trainings before we officially even came together as Character Strong and now you know, have also a much more robust you know educator training system that we're doing. But uh, that's how Mount Adams really it was a huge influencer specifically on that servant leadership side of things for the work that we're doing today. So for other states out there listening, I think you need to be checking out the Washington model. It sounds like the Principals Association and partnership, you know, with strong teachers and, and students and leaders making those connections happen um, just really serves for your culture and your climate back in your schools. Yeah, I mean, ours, because it's so closely connected and our the, the Association of Washington Student Leaders is the AWSL is the uh, kind of the, the acronym or whatever for the organization. But um, the Association of Washington School Principals, AWSP, their framework for principals, the evaluation framework is like completely connected to what we're doing in student leadership. So like the the power of that is when our student leaders at the high school and middle school level are going back to their schools, they're encouraged to be meeting with their principals and showing how they as student leaders can be working hand in hand with key pieces of what principals are evaluated on. And not a, not that it's about their evaluation, but like part of their evaluation is what are they doing around school safety? What are they doing around uh, creating a stronger school climate and culture? And so the indicators and the pieces that are part of that, there are so many of them that are directly connected to the work we're doing in student leadership. So it's just powerful. It's powerful because it protects what we're doing in, in, in student leadership. It's powerful because it naturally brings students and administrators together and doing the work together. And so, yeah, it's definitely a model to pay attention to. I know there's a lot of other states that are doing great work in that. By no means is Washington the only one, but I would say Washington has a really strong model for sure. 
It sounds like they're also making it meaningful and sustainable. And those yep. two pieces are definitely something you don't want to miss. No, absolutely. Yeah, I, I, they've definitely, that partnership is huge. Um, and I think it does. Uh, the, the Having someone at that level in the student leadership that is at the table with the principals association and uh, then leads to the you know bigger state levels really not only advocates but shows how it, it can stay connected and then that all connects to that sustainability piece. Nice. So why now? I mean, you know, 34 years ago when I came out of school, you know, we were kind of teaching content first and then kids second. I think probably yep. maybe even 20 years ago when you started, but now it seems so urgent that we flip that mindset. Yep. Why? Yep. Gosh, I, I mean, we could talk about this all day. I'll give you a few because um, obviously I am super passionate about this. I, I think, one, we know more than uh, we have ever known, uh, even just on the research around what we would say, you know, in the broad term, uh, why uh, teaching and supporting the whole child is so important. I mean, I think sometimes in the past it was just a good idea to do certain things because we just knew in the back of our minds, like, well, of course that's good. But now we know what the research says. Like, for example, if all we do is focus on end-of-year test scores, we're only giving students a third to half of what they need to be successful. And there's lots of, like, deeper dives on research they're doing that now is, like, like showing us. And I think I was, like, data and research, it's, it disarms in some ways. Like, the idea of, like, it's hard to argue now why we shouldn't be putting this as a priority yeah. if we want what's best for our kids. So that's one. The other one is 50 years ago – even 40 years ago, whatever it, it's like, this is not, it's not the school's job was the mentality. It's not the school's job to teach these things, character, social, emotional learning. That's the job of the home. And more than ever, we have to change our mindset on that. And it's not that the home isn't responsible for that or isn't doing a good job in that. I think uh, parents do their very best. I believe that wholeheartedly assuming the best parents give the very best that they've got. Um, but we also know in many cases that uh, at the secondary level, we have students more in an average like day than the parents do. Um, we know that the key to fluency is repetition. We know that it takes a village. Um, we know that even well-meaning parents who are working really, really hard may not know the most recent research on growth mindset. And they may unintentionally be uh, in being a positive, supportive parent, leading their students down a road of having a fixed mindset, which isn't good because when they like face adversity, then all of a sudden, instead of it being an opportunity for growth, it's a brick wall. It's like, well, now I must not be smart enough because my parents always said, look at you, you're so smart. And they did it well-intentioned. They were trying to be encouraging, but all of a sudden now it's not helping me. And so I, I think that there's a, just a lot of pieces there. And then we could go to even a deeper one. Um, and that's just even around the idea of school safety. Yeah, I just mm -hmm. recently presented at the, the Washington State School Director School Board Conference with superintendents from across our state, and I appreciated their vision. And that vision was we're going to do a pre-conference on school safety, and we want you to come in with Character Strong and talk about school safety through the lens of the social-emotional side. Then we're going to have someone from the state level talk about the physical safety side, and then we're going to have a district come in and talk about the road to recovery because they had had a school shooting within the last year and a half and what they uh, had gone through and what they had been doing in the recovery of that. I appreciated their vision on that because we know that this 100% connects to school safety 
the work that we're doing around teaching relationships and empathy. And, and so I always say on, on the MTSS side, which is my district work, that multi-tiered system of support, like when we see more and more explosive behaviors, difficult behaviors, we so many times want the quick fix. We get That student needs an intervention. They need a tier two intervention or a tier three wraparound intervention. And that may be the case, but guess what they're also going to need? They're going to need a really strong tier one foundational uh, setting in that classroom and in that school for that intervention, even to work, mental health, whatever it might be. And so we say that in Character Strong, we are a tier one foundational company. We are about strengthening your core, your foundation. So the other work that you're doing, whatever it might be, can be more effective. And we always have to be going after that tier one. So really, you're talking about from the inside out rather than from the outside in. Yep. Which even on the individual, like leadership development level, is something that we talk about. Like learning to live from the inside out versus the outside in, right? Mm -hmm. But on a systems level, it also like connects working from the inside out versus the outside in. Absolutely. Um, And so I just think in terms of why and why now. Uh, the other piece you can just talk about how fast the world is moving. I mean, how fast the world is moving. And I think uh, sometimes when I do a a parent trainings, uh, teacher trainings, adult type trainings, I say we need to have more empathy for our kids, not have to deal with when we were their age, we didn't have to deal with this thing. And I'll hold up the cell phone and, and more through the lens of if I had a stable home. So identifying that not all students did, even when I was back in school, obviously, but as, as long as I had somewhat of a stable home, if something wasn't going well at school, at least it didn't follow me 24 hours a day. Right. And, and now kids have to deal with it constantly. And, and Simon Sinek says it in, his, uh, in a talk that he, I, think, I think it's a powerful thing to think about. And that is, he says, giving young people unfettered access to like technology, cell phones, is like throwing open the liquor cabinet at 13, 14 years old and saying, good luck. Mm-hmm. because that's what it's doing, like potentially to the brain and the different things they have to deal with. And so why now? Well, because kids have to deal with more and at such a frantic pace than I think ever before in our world. And so, um, like I said, we can speak all day long about why now, um, but the reality is that it is now. And the reality is, I don't think that it's, it's not the schools don't want to do something. I just think it's, it's not the schools don't want to do it. I believe that they do. I just think it's how do we do it? And I think that's what we've been able to help quite a bit with, uh, with the work we're doing with Character Strong. Well, I got to tell you, first I heard Houston speak, then I heard you speak, then I was like kind of stalking you guys because <laughs> I was so impassioned by how, you know, your message just clicked and resonated and made sense. One of the really um, strong messages, and you even already said it today, simple, but not easy. Yep. Yeah, I think uh, just because whenever that said one line always comes to me, it's like people get it. It's like that's simple, right? What we just talked about is very simple. Yeah, I get it. It does not go over my head. But can we also agree that that's not easy? Because if it was easy, everybody would do it. It's the hard that makes it great, which is from the League of Their Own, if you remember that great movie with Tom Uh Hanks. Um, And I just always remember that when it is. It's like we get this, but it takes hard work. It is hard. If it was easy, everybody would do it. But that is what makes it great is that hard, intentional work that we're digging into. Okay, so let's go to the feedback piece because I don't want mm-hmm. us to run out of time before 
Um, something I was talking with a friends of junior high who then they've adopted your advisory and and it's going really really well but one of the teachers said eh, you know there's kind of a lesson that didn't maybe it's just me didn't really click and I said oh my gosh mm. we want that feedback because yep. it's probably not just you and we can totally tweak that and make that better he said ah oh, people don't yep. People don't really want feedback. It's probably just me. And, you know, I love that he wanted to make it just him, but I really encouraged. And as we walked away, I said, what? And unless it was one I wrote, then I don't really know. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's just that mindset that you're, you know, you're pushing something pretty strong out there, but you totally want the feedback. So please talk to me about why that feedback piece is so important and why we don't do it as much as we could or should. Yeah, well, well, one, I think his his response shows a society's um, mentality around feedback, um, and it even goes to the heart of the work on what we do with you know a, a character development, which a part of that you know has character traits like humility and honesty and things like that that connect to um, this idea of feedback. Because one of the ways that we can demonstrate humility, um, one way that we can put humility into action, is by seeking feedback. Um, but the reason why we don't like it is because at the core, we're prideful human beings, right? We live in a society that says it's all about you and everybody else is in your way and you have to be perfect. And if you're not perfect, then you're not enough. And all those messages that get bombarded, it doesn't mean they're true, but we are bombarded with them. And the key to fluency is repetition. Well, if the repetition we're getting is you can't make mistakes, don't show your whole self, don't be vulnerable, all those things. Well, of course, we're going to have that mentality because that is a difficult place to be in. But the reality is whenever we are around someone who is authentic and who really demonstrates true humility, what always happens? We always have way more respect for them. We always, their influence usually increases. The trust in that person increases because deep down we know I'd like to be that way. That is like, that is the way that we should be operating. And so on the feedback side, I mean, as an educator and teaching this regularly, one of the things I was said in our early on trainings is like, welcome to the trap. Because now that you've been exposed to it, the trap is there, which means you've been exposed to what we're talking about. And when you don't do it now, a lot of times that little thing's going to like, that little conscience is going to like rear its head and be like, hey, you're not doing it. Well, how about, putting that on steroids and teaching it every day, five times a day, and then not doing it, like in a moment, it is definitely going to rear its head. And so for me, teaching it was always one of the most powerful things. When I worked with like high school students, one of the things they deal with as student leaders is people saying, like, what, you're just a hypocrite, because they're trying to do good work, right? And that's threatening. And it's like, my response, I always taught my students to say at the high school level, if they were in a position of leadership, and someone said, like, you're just a hypocrite to say, man, you're right. I'm just trying to be less of one than I was yesterday. And just <laughs> nice. disarm because it's like the reality is everybody's a hypocrite. I have never met someone who 100% aligns their like actions to who they want to be, their values. Like we are all deep down in a way, a hypocrite. I'm yeah. just trying to be less of one each day, each moment, right? And so the feedback piece is big. Um, we use it in our trainings. It was a regular part of the work that we were doing in our classes. And so I had to start living it. And it, that seed was planted once again with a teacher of mine, the one that made me want to be a teacher, Brent Grothy in Wenatchee High School and smack dab in the middle of Washington State. And I still remember, I remember him telling a story. And the story was uh, at like 24 years of marriage, something like that. He asked his wife one day, he's like, hey, can you rank me on a scale of one to 10 as your husband? So he's like, 
quantifying it or whatever. And she's like, doesn't even hesitate. And she's, I'd say about an eight. And when she says an eight, when he tells it, I'm like, that's pretty good, you know, when you're listening. But of course, when you hear that, you're like, ouch, you know, because of course, he probably thought he was a 10. Right. The key to this method that he was teaching was this quantifiable feedback is that you can't get defensive, that you can say thank you, you can ask for clarification. But the key is great. Thank you. How could I be a 10? And when he tells it, I always remember because the power is his wife thought for a second and then said, I just think it would be nice if we could sit down more and talk one-on-one. And when he tells the story, it's great because he's like, that's it. Mm. <laughs> There's probably a lot of other things he could work on, but that was the thing that she shared. And so for the next year, his 25th year of marriage, he went to work. I'm sure some days he was better than others. Some days he struggled, but he went to work on it. Um, and if it was the morning, instead of just like leaving you know, the breakfast table, he'd sit longer and talk. Or instead of turning on the TV at night, hey, do you want to talk? And at 25 years of marriage, he'd been waiting that whole year. He asked one night, he's like, sweetie, can you rank me on a scale of one to 10 as your husband? And she paused for a second. She said, I'd say about a nine. <laughs> and when he tells it, it's great because he laughed, right? And she smiles and says, but you're getting better. And wow. when he tells it, the way I was thinking, reminded is like, what if he was too scared to ask because he was just fearful of uh, like finding something out that he wasn't good at or that he wasn't perfect or whatever, because he had the courage to ask. I always remember, at least he knew the one thing that was on his wife's mind that was preventing him in the big picture of being a 10 in her eyes, right? And so I took that and then said, you know what, I'm going to do it. So as a teacher, I created and used this quantifiable feedback form. It was very simple. It said, I'm committed to being the best. And then you could like put in a blank. So I said, teacher or colleague or friend or son uh, that I can be can you rank me on a scale of one to 10 on how I'm doing? And then the key to the, the form was great. Thank you. How could I be a 10? And then there was room for them to write. And for me, it was important to give the form because it gave them time to think because giving someone feedback is also vulnerable and threatening. Sometimes that's not easy to do because anytime that I give someone feedback, a lot of times I have to think about what could I do to be better. And so I would give 10 of them out a week, um, sometimes to students or colleagues or someone in my life. And not all of them came back, but a good number did. And at first, it stung. It was like, ouch, I'm not perfect. But the more that I did it, the more I realized, like, well, of course you're not perfect. Nobody is. So get over yourself. And what I started to learn was I started to learn one that, like, only one person has said this. So that's either something that I need to address with that person if I knew who they were, or they might just have been critical. And I learned sometimes just let it go. But guess what, John? Everybody collectively or a large number of people are saying this. And what I learned in that year where I had this huge stack of quantifiable feedback forms by the end was that the overarching theme was people were saying, I feel like you're so busy that I that you're not approachable, that I don't have your full attention. And there was no hiding. Um, and so once that happened and I made that my intentional overall character goal for that next year to stop what I was doing when any, anytime someone came to me and actually turn and face them and give my full attention, something very practical. Um, I saw the growth that came for that and that process changed my whole perspective instead of just doing feedback because we have to at the end or acting like, well, of course I want feedback. No, no, not the end (laughs) of the year. I mean like ongoing that this is something that's regular. Yeah. So in our trainings, we do that as an exercise with adults. One of our character dares for adults is send five people a simple text. What's one way I could be better for you in 
our relationship. And that's not easy for people because some of them realize that the text they're going to get is like, are you okay? That's the response they're going to get because that also is feedback that you don't ask for feedback very often. And as they're considering sending that text and it's a character dare, which means they don't have to do it, it's a dare, right? But we challenge people to face it and we have a process and and reflecting on that called truth or dare, which is a, a, a bigger topic. But um, it's okay if you don't do it, then speak your truth. What do you think about that dare? What do you think would happen if you did? And if you did do the dare, then you reflect on what you learned about yourself or others. And I did this with students for 10 years in the classroom. And every time we would do it at the high school level, they'd get their cell phones out or write it out to deliver in person because you didn't have to do it on the cell. Um, but I would also send it. And I, and I always tell a story at 29 years old, um, one time in class, I send it. And one of the people I always send it to is my mom. And I always joke that my mom was always very fast to respond and she's very honest. And at 29 years old, I get told while I'm like in front of the class doing this uh, exercise with the kids, um, my mom tells me that I give bad hugs at 29 years old. Oh, no. And, I, and, I, and I'm like, you guys, then I show the class and they're laughing. <laughs> and they're like, Mr. Norland, don't forget the rule. You can't get defensive because I wanted to get defensive because in my sure. mind, I give good hugs, right? <laughs> But here I am at 29 years old. I'm not married. My mom lives three hours away, and she tells me I give bad hugs. So I couldn't be defensive. I said, thank you, even though it was like, ouch. And after I said, thank you, I said, can you tell me what you mean? Because you can ask for clarification. And my mom tells me um, that as, as I had gone through my 20s, instead of giving her front genuine mom hugs, I had gradually started to turn it into giving her side hugs. And mm. she didn't like that. And I'm like, yes, ma'am. <laughs> so the next six months, I saw my mom three times. Young teacher, right? Living at my job. Like, I love what I'm doing. So if I went and saw her, the first time I saw her, I give her a big front genuine mom hug. I probably lingered a little too long, right? Um, she didn't say anything about it. But, <laughs> but she shouldn't have to, right? The second time I saw her, two or three months later, when I greeted her, front, genuine mom hug, right? She didn't say anything about it. Once again, she shouldn't have to. But the third time I saw her after that initial like text message had come in and that exchange was six months later, I give her front, genuine mom hug when I'm visiting uh, Wenatchee and she whispers in my ear, you're getting better. And when we talk about that in the training, I see, you know, people kind of laugh, you know, because it is funny. But I said, in that moment, what did she tell me? And we discuss it. And one of the things she tells me is I noticed. Like I noticed that you went to work on the thing that I said that you could be better at. Um, what she told me in that moment was um, one time or even two times was not enough, son. I needed to see that this is something that you were serious about, which shows us that you can't just make one time change and things going to be wonderful. She needed to see that I meant it. Um, and then I turn it and I say, what did it tell her? And people will respond. And it's like, well, one, it tells her that she mattered enough to go to work. She mattered enough in your relationship that your pride wasn't too big to go to work on the thing that you needed to improve on, to identify the gap in my performance and then close that gap. And the best question to ask is like, what did it do to our relationship? Because our work and education, our work just in this world, at the core, it's all about relationships mm -hmm. and our personal relationships with students, right? And so understanding that we're not perfect. When I know that, that's powerful. When I know where my gaps are and I could start to go to work, that is powerful because everybody's got a blind spot. Nobody always knows all their gaps. Right. So 
so when I close that story down, I say, hey, would you agree at 29 years old, it's pretty funny to be told by your mom that you give bad hugs? And everyone's like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? You know what's not funny? What if I would have waited till I was 50? What if I would have waited till I was 50 to find out that I had been giving an adult lifetime of bad hugs? Now it's not funny anymore. And I'll tell you, there's never been a presentation when I'm worth adults that there isn't someone in the room that is so touched by that story that they are moved to tears. And the reason why is because we all have regrets and we all know the things that we could go bet, you know, do better and look. And it's like, but today I could start uh, having the humility, showing the humility to say, how could I be better? Because what other things in my life potentially could I go in an, an entire adult lifetime without realizing and then find out at some point that I could have been better in that relationship that really mattered to me or in the work that I was doing. And so feedback has been huge in regards to what we do with educators, my own personal development. But that is a story that I love to tell because I always say, at least I knew, at least I knew Mm -hmm. and could do something about it. And that is a powerful thing when I can get myself out of the way. Well, it sounds like this is about voice, like it's about empowerment and empathy. I hear mindfulness because it's about noticing and connecting and mindset because it's about being better tomorrow than you were today and then ultimately about relationships. Um, Wow. Character, strong. What's next for you guys? Yeah, thanks for asking. I mean, we are, our goal is we've got some big, um, big audacious goals in the next 10 years, but our goal is to serve every school in the entire country when it comes to this work. Um, The work we're trying to do right now is, uh, you brought it up at the beginning, but it's to continue to strengthen uh, the tools that we have for schools. And one of our goals is that they're low burden and high impact because we know that that is key for fidelity and key for something to actually happen. So even on the lessons that you mentioned for the schools that are using ours, it's continuously doing that deeper dive with feedback. And uh, the great thing about being in a web-based platform is we make those changes, we strengthen those lessons that aren't as strong, and it immediately gets um, updated for the people that are using it. So that's a big piece for us. Uh, Growing our presenter base is going to be big for us, and that's where we've been able to connect with people like yourself, Barbara, who are passionate about this work, experts in this work that can go in and help schools uh, with the implementation piece and doing staff uh, professional development. And then a big piece for us in this holistic approach is we're working on an elementary component. Many people have been asking us for it, and our goal with the elementary one is that it that it wouldn't replace a really strong social-emotional curriculum that maybe a school has, but it could be a way to bring in the character development side into anything that you're already doing. Um, and we've learned a lot in the role that I've been in at the district level as, the, as well as the work that Houston and I have done. And that is, for example, we Character Strong is a secondary focused organization with its curricula uh, right now. The trainings are K through 12. Um, our elementary component's not even gonna be called Character Strong because what we know is when kids in elementary Um, are participating in something and they get to middle school and it's called the same thing, they're done with it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And so we're learning through that. And so we're working through the idea of purpose. Right now, uh, we're working through the lens of purposeful people. So full of compassion, full of courage. And and we have been working, you've been helping with that project and, and we're excited about that, but that's coming. And, uh, and we just know it's so critically important. And, and, I know that our time is short, but I think the, the key kind of to remember here is it doesn't have to be social emotional learning only or character development only that we can actually bring those two things together. And I share regularly um, 
the, a reason why is the skills of social emotional learning are critically important. When you bring character development in, one of the things that it does that is a, a, a wonderful add-on is it gets beneath the skills of social emotional learning a little bit more to the why. Like, who are you? Who do you want to be? What is your purpose? Um, and that's a big deal. And Angela Duckworth and her crew at the University of Pennsylvania and, and their research with the Character Lab, they're talking a lot about that idea of purpose. Um, and so that's one thing that character development does besides bring in uh, some engageability pieces that are, are big for students, especially at the secondary level. So I was wearing a Make Kindness Normal t-shirt at IHOP the other day and a grandpa <laughs> from Pennsylvania wanted to know how to get one. And that leads me into how can people connect with you and learn more and grow stronger? Yeah, the simple way is characterstrong.com. Um, on our website there, um, some of the most immediate ways is check out our blog. We have regular guest blog writers on the topics of social emotional learning, character development, school climate, culture, um, that either myself or Houston's writing. You've written some before, Barbara. We have a lot of great people that are there. And um, on there also is information on the trainings that we uh, host by going into schools, as well as ones uh, where we come into areas and, and host trainings where a school might send like a, a team of champions to that work. Uh, and then it also has information on our curricula, uh, 6th through 12th grade uh, advisory curricula um, that is meant to be school-wide, as well as our leadership class, which is that like 90, 60-minute lessons, that deeper dive. Um, so that's where they could could find us um, most easily. They can contact us through that as well, through emails and different things. Super sad that our time is up, John Norland, but what a blessing to go diving deeper with you and to character strong. Anything that I missed before we sign off? Just besides the fact that you're amazing. And when you said you were stalking us, we were stalking you at the same time. (laughs) We should do a marathon podcast sometime. I feel like you and I could talk for 12 straight hours. (laughs) Well, are you guys going to start a podcast? Can we tell that here? (laughs) Yeah, we have a whole thing of webinars um, first. That was one. Then we just did our second one this last week. Um, We'll have a host of those throughout the year. And then in January into early February, our hope is um, that the Character Strong podcast comes out. Uh, We've got a great vision on that in terms of, you know, making it somewhat unique. And uh, the idea is that it's shorter, quick hits, Uh where if a teacher's driving to school, they could get it and that five to 10 minute chunk, you know, type of thing and feel like that piece has been accomplished. And so you'll see that coming out and more information, but we are going to be coming out uh, with the Character Strong podcast very soon. And there's a Character Strong app too. Yeah. And it's going to be getting, I'm almost a little bit like, um, you can check it out. It's on iPhone right now. Um, It's been around for quite a while. We actually were able to gain funding and even grant funding uh, to do an entire overhaul on that Character Strong uh, app, uh, so it, it's going to be um, uh, going across all platforms: Android, iPhone, web-based, um, and we're definitely going to do a blitz on that. That is a free resource that is out there, but we're excited about everything from design to a different look to, like I said, going across different platforms. So uh, stay tuned on that. But we're re- really excited about the the update on the app that's coming. Well, we can totally feel your passion. Thank you for staying with us a few extra minutes this morning. I do want to remind the listeners that this podcast is generously supported by ProSign Design, a family-owned business dedicated to character, safety, and organization. Then I would like to invite y'all to join us next week as we continue the conversation about character education, connections, and life. 
If you'd like to review us on iTunes or wherever you tuned in, we'd appreciate that. And until next time, remember that character speaks.